CB6. Yeah, I think I Yeah, and the rooms as well. Chiha. Oh, oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Confucius, is that you? <laughs> Or whoever decides to listen to it, nailed it. Okay. We have our uh, three, oh, well, four co-hosts. Uh, we have Nick, Yo, Timmy, Ayo, Charlene, Hello. and I am Brendan. Today's uh, topic will be a little bit different. We're going to go through a little case study that we have prepared, uh, just to showcase how we how we uh, go through the diagnosis process and everything like that. Yeah, just a little bit about like the way we think about cases and stuff. So Charlene has the case study. Uh, we haven't seen this case study before, or maybe we have a long time ago. Um, so we don't, like, B, Tom and I don't have the answers in front of us, but we'll be fed information by Charlene as the case study progresses. And there's no one right answer, just so. Yeah, that's, that's something that we should stress about. When, when it comes to diagnosis, there's not one direct answer. Sometimes uh, people's interpretations might be a tad bit different. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, as long as you get to the same sort of end result, I feel like it doesn't really matter the journey, right? Yeah. Cool, that's deep. That is so deep. <laughs> so for this case study, we've got a female, age 26. She's a clerical worker. So She's her... a bitch. She's, she's a what? Clerical worker. She works in an office or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just reading. So her chief complaint that she's coming in for is irregular bowel movements for five years. So the patient has up to eight bowel mo movements a day, with the first being larger, followed by smaller movements. Uh, can we stop there and discuss about So what, we, what we're thinking already? So we'll start at the very start, that she's like a, what is she, female, 28? 26 year old. 26. So what do you guys, what do you guys immediately think? Like, where does your mind go? I sort of think with spleen chi deficiency, maybe, possibly can't hold, uh, hold it inside the spleen and it straight out, or maybe large, like in large intestines or like colon sort of stuff, problems. What do you think? I immediately think that um, I, I know I'm going to have to go like gyne related. Or think about gynae. So I, I go obviously female, you know gynae, and then you go age. Are they still menstruating, or have they gone through menopause? So I immediately start to think about that. So I know, like, I can't forget to ask about these questions. And chief complaint was bowel motions eight times, wasn't it? Yep. So eight movements in a day. The first one being larger, followed by smaller movements. And what do we? What do you guys think about that straight off the bat? I'd say I think the same the same lines of Tim uh, analyze a little bit about uh, the consistency and definitely going for the spleen and digestive route. So the bowel motions are loose with no foul smell and are urgent. Do you want me to continue? There is no discomfort or pain either preceding, during, or after a bowel movement. She easily becomes bloated, especially around the umbilicus. And that's most of, to do with the chief complaint. And then there's other stuff not related to the chief complaint. So where do you guys go? I know with the anatomical area, when they mention the umbilicus, it's usually meridian fault, or they, they usually look into that. So what meridians are you thinking? CV. CV? CV meridian. Uh, just, just the meridian, not, even, not 
really the function of, or it could be the function. You could look into that, into that a little bit more and then ask about the period and everything like that. And Tom? So it would help with like, oh, sorry, just going oh. bouncing off beads, like CVC, that's when you start thinking about like acupuncture, maybe I'll do something along like the rhythm meridian, just like thinking like that sort of stuff or? Well, in terms of treatment, like if we're going, yeah. like if we're just straight firing into treatment, yeah, I'd think of CV points here and there because a lot of them do aid digestion too. So no, yeah. that's something I'd, I'd think about. CV12 probably. Yeah. CV12, 10, 6, sometimes 4 is used too. And what about the no foul smell or like it being urgent? Does that rule anything out or rule anything in? No stomach heat, I, I think. I eat that way. No stomach heat because okay. usually with uh, smelly smelly stools, you get a little bit of um, stomach heat. It's a sign of stomach heat and things okay. like that. I, I was thinking more like the damp side. Mm. I was thinking, yeah, maybe if it's foul smelling, it was like more sort of dampy doing in the lower jowl sort of stuff. But now because she gets uh, a lot of bloating, especially pain near the, like, the center region, I'm thinking more middle jowl sort of stuff like stomach spleen that sort of stuff rather than lower sort of maybe it is larger intestine small intestine sort of stuff but now i'm thinking less kidney stuff it's more middle jowl stuck something stuck there um does she get pain at all sorry i don't know so there is no discomfort or pain either proceeding during or after a bowel movement yeah just frequent bowel movements no pain so it's more sort of a weakness rather than a stagnation yeah we're probably talking about like a deficiency rather than an excess yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, he's like, it's exactly what you said. <laughs> so she also complains of waking tired and cranky, as well as being tired of in the afternoon. I immediately think spleen. Yeah, that's exactly like it. Tired, hundred percent. Yeah, and especially like first thing in the morning, um, if they're waking up unrefreshed and stuff, it's the spleen's not producing enough like good energy. I think if, if that was a real patient, I'd look into a little bit more about. Uh, the feeling that they get uh, when they wake up, like look into that a little bit more. If it's a, if there's a heaviness, if there's a lethargicness, if there's a heaviness, I'd go more of the damp route. Oh, so her head is foggy. Ooh, <laughs> 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 got it. Hey, yeah, there you go. So uh, for me, anyway, that that indicated more of the damp type. Yeah, yeah. damp and phlegm, definitely. Yeah. Um, is there any more questions you would ask? You know, obviously. We're reading off a paper-based um, case study, but is there any more questions you would ask for the bowel motions? Like, would you investigate that further? A little bit. Uh, I would generally ask stuff like, uh, is it all, I don't know if you answered, if you asked this, but like, is it like all sort of gone after she's gone? Like, that feeling of being complete. Feels complete. Yeah, completing after the eighth time. Um, doesn't say here, but it's a good question to ask. The other question I would ask is diet. Um, like, what are you eating? Yeah, I would I would definitely ask, like, about the diet. So if they're, they're eating a lot of junk foods or if they're, you know, not eating a balanced regular diet, that could definitely play a big role or plays the biggest role, you know, other than diagnosis and treatment. You, you have to fix the diet to, to improve uh, gut health. I think another thing I would look at probably is like Western med side. So like, has she had any previous history, like cancers or bowel cancer or anything like that, that would make her stools just like, just sort of shred out sort of thing? Yeah, and, and history, history of like, so how long is this? Oh, it says five years, but you know, what were the bowel motions before that? And 
you know, how was her lifestyle before hitting five years? Cause, so she would have only been like 21. That's a, it's a new, new generation step. In is, is there something that might have started five years ago? Maybe she started uni or something like that. Or a new job. Or, or a new job you know, or something. We've got at home. Could be stress related, you know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of factors. I think the lifestyle idea is a big one for this one, for any patient, really. Yeah, definitely. And especially when you're talking about digestion, I feel like lifestyle is, plays a massive role. So she tends to get hot easily, although she used to be more susceptible to cold. Her sleep is good and urination is normal. She is easily thirsty, suffers from dull frontal headaches that are worse when she's tired. So easily thirsty kind of throws me off because I was like, oh, there's no stomach heat or heat stuff, but then there's heat there. That's a sound of heat. Could be a bit of like a yin. Yeah, yeah. Yin problem. So you think about dryness, you think about thirsty. Oh, it has a, has a, uh, a description of the tongue, is that right? Yeah, it does have the description of the pulse and the tongue. Do you, do you want to go over that first, or do you want to hit the rest of the? No, we'll hit the. Uh, we'll we'll hit the what we talked about so far. We'll leave the tongue and pulse for a little bit later. We'll yeah. go into that. So later. she does tend to get hot easily, um, although she used to be more susceptible to cold. She's her sleep is good, which is subjective, and urination is normal, also subjective. Yeah, it's very. Oh, would uh, investigate sleep a lot. Not that it plays a big part, but just see what's going on. If you know, is she getting to sleep like on time, or does she have a sleep schedule? Because she's saying she wakes up tired or is tired a lot. It does highlight a big, a, a big diagnosis factor like young, uh, yin and yang, and things like that. I think for me, at least, when it says she was used to be more susceptible to cold, now she's uh, more susceptible to heat. I think that sort of shows that her pattern has changed previously. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it was a very cold invasion sort of stagnation uh, before, and now it's sort of changed into more of a heat, maybe an excess, maybe or a yin deficiency, like you said before, Nick, maybe. Yeah, the signs are definitely pointing to more like a deficiency over like a um, excess. Yeah, it's like a, because it's five years, you can almost paint a picture where it's like the, the deficiency has led to accumulating more things like damp and then consuming other things too. Yeah. So before we hear what the tongue and pulse is, um, is described as, what, what would we be looking for immediately? If we're thinking yin deficiency, stomach and spleen deficiencies, some dampness, or, you know, those middle jowl type things, what are we looking for in the pulse and tongue? Like before we even, you know, start to feel it, what are we expecting? How, um, generally how I feel is like, I don't try and expect anything, but what I would be anticipating would probably Is anticipating be... and not expecting the same thing? No, uh, I, thought that was totally different. I think expecting is like, I'm looking for this, but I'm not looking for anything. It's like, whatever comes to me will come to me. But if you're anticipating something, you're waiting for it. It's oh, like, yeah. I'm hoping this would be... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Stay open-minded, Nick. Stay open-minded, all right? So what are you looking for? Probably a slippery pulse, especially in the right middle position. In that spleen position? That's it. That's the one. So you're expecting a uh, slippery pulse, right? No, I'm anticipating <laughs> a slippery pulse. But if I'm hit by something else, I'm not. I'm sort of like, okay, that's, that's okay. Maybe there's something wrong with my questions or I need to do some further investigations. It's not a slippery pulse. Do you do much investigation after you felt the pulse 
So like you've you've done all your consulting or whatever, you've come up with what you think is going on and then you feel the pulse and you have a look at the tongue and nothing matches and you're like, oh shit, let's like, why does it actually feel like this? Do you, do you come back, have a good read of your notes and then say like, okay, let's, let's investigate what else there could be and like say like, oh, I'm probably actually wrong or do you just take it as it is and then go away and say like, maybe there's some underlying stuff going on. I look at it after I've done sort of everything has been done and after the patient, then I look back at the case and be like, let me have a proper read because a pulse was taught of thready and it doesn't line up with what I think before. And then for the next treatment, I'll feel again just to confirm everything. It was like not just a one-off sort of thing. So you sort of just go with like um, the signs and symptoms mm -hmm. of the actual, like how they're presenting and then take their pulse and see that later. Yeah. If, it, if there's anything that throws you. Yeah. Or if I just ask more questions while I'm taking the pulse and the tongue sort of thing. Okay, so, so what else are we looking for in the pulse? What other cardinal signs would we see? I'd, I'd look at the uh, kidney on the well, left side. Yeah, kidney, yes. left, yeah, kidney left side, see the strength in that. If it's a lot weaker, then that would point to me at all the deficiency. I would look for um, like a thready pulse to see if it's quite thin because the yin deficiency may be blood deficiency as well as the spleen stuff. And like what you were saying before, I would be checking if it is taut, you know, seeing like is there anything out of the blue that maybe we've missed. On the uh, slippery pulse that Tim was saying before, I reckon a good thing to, a good thing to suss out is to see if the spleen is more on the weaker side or the, or a bigger slippery pulse. So if it's more on the weaker side, deeper and you know, thready or weaker, just in general, then I'd be looking more spleen chi deficiency or just a spleen deficiency in general. If I see a slippery pulse and more of a stronger pulse, then damp is more of more issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So then do you compare that to uh, the liver pulse and to see if that's like taut or wiry, to see if that may be overacting on the spleen? Oh, that wouldn't be my first thought, but that would be a good idea. Do you have you do you do that much time? Like compare like um, positions of the pulses to see the relationships between the two organs? I think that's definitely a good thing. Like especially if I when I ask questions and stuff and it's like, oh it could possibly like stress around, like liver overacting the spleen, then I'll ask more stress questions and it'll come yeah. up. And then that's when I start looking at different organs, actually like different things. What stress questions do you, would you ask? For this person? Yeah, for the, in this case. I think I would ask, um, how's your stress been overall in the last week or so? Um, generally, I roll from there. If it's been good, I'll be like, okay, cool. Like maybe it's not something stress-related or heart-related or liver. Or maybe I'll look at like, if it was really bad, I'd be like, oh, okay, what's sort of happening with this one? Um, and then I look at ways that if they have an outlet for the stress and stuff, like all sort of relate to stress. And then I'll be like, all right, so now in terms of Chinese medicine, like liver stuff, stagnation sort of stuff, maybe it's a stagnation thing rather than a damp thing. Yeah, all right. Okay, so what's what's left in the case study? So her pulse is thready, especially of the guan positions. Her tongue is pale with enlarged edges and a watery coat. Oh, we didn't talk about what we would expect in the tongue, but that's okay. So it's ready in the guan position, which is the second. Does it say which side? Um, especially of the guan positions. 
superstitions. Spread the liver endlessly. And it was, what, thready? Yeah, thready. Um, doesn't mention any other pulses. And the tongue was pale with enlarged edges and a watery coat. Yeah, so you're definitely looking at then like the damp sides and there's probably some spleen involvement, right? I've just never seen a watery coat before. Uh, I think it's just like moist. Like moist. Very moist, yeah. Very moist. Oh, God, that word. And that's the hard thing about like case studies and depending on who writes them and where they come from and, you know, whereabouts, everything is, all the words are so confusing. But just to get a general idea, yes, a watery coat, a watery coat would be like moist. Yeah, not glossy or anything like that. It's uh, the same. It's not the same thing. Is that like watery, glossy? Yeah, I think that's the same, same thing. What do you sort of analyze, Nick, when you sort of look at this tongue and be like, ah, uh, this, this sort of, this is how I sort of think. But this time, as soon as I see it, then you think more of this sort of thing. I would. Um, I think pales deficient, and then I think. The enlarged edges and the watery coat is the spleen water metabolism deficiency type thing going on. Especially those enlarged edges are definitely a good toll sign of uh, the damp and things like that. It's it's clear cut for me. Yeah. No. <clears throat> okay. <Ooh>. Well, <laughs> another thing that's the problem with like a paper based case is that you can't see her weight or her body type. Um, you know, she might be overweight and therefore, you know, there's probably something wrong with the spleen or she might be really thin and there's, you know, some other issues going on there or she might be like a good, a good weight and then you start to question other things in that regard. So let's move on to sort of how we would treat this patient, yeah? So what would you sort of ask first? You'd normally go from like the condition first, so what, what would her initial condition be? Her initial condition, like the chief complaint sort of thing. Oh, that's definitely like an irregular bowel motion. <laughs> yeah, four or five minutes. Where would you sort of move on from there straight after? We would talk probably about, I would maybe talk about like etiology, like how it happened. Mm -hmm. And then sort of start to investigate sort of like how all the dominoes fell into place. So like that's where you get like the flow charts or however you you do your diagnosis, but, and then start to really target like, okay, so there's this and there's this, um, and there's these issues happening. So in this case, it's like, there's a spleen deficiency and we're saying there's uh, a bit of like yin deficiency. So we're saying we're going to ask relevant questions to see how they got to be a spleen deficiency and a yin deficiency. So could you make a connection between uh, the spleen deficiency and the yin deficiency being maybe since she's been, uh, she's having a lot of bowel motions and things like that and straining her yin in a way? Like, oh, does she have watery stools? Is it? Uh, loose. Loose stools. Yeah, so that would that drain her yin and make her just like dry her out in a way? Do you think? Could you make that connection? Uh, possibly. I think if more of her symptoms showed that she was more dryness, like, like cracks or something in her tongue, mm. or like she had a lot more symptoms where it's like, ah, she's lost a lot of yin because you can feel her pulse is more yin deficient. When thirsty? Could thirsty, be, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that shows that uh, her body fluids have dried up in her body, then I would think more, ah, yes, you're right, definitely. This is dryness, yin deficiency sort of thing. But, but in this case, the body fluids aren't really drying up. 
are they? They're sort of just being not distributed where they're meant to be. Is that sort of on that? You know, that's why the tongue was quite flabby or enlarged and was quite moist. Yeah. Can we all agree on that? Where would you go on from the for treatment now? That if you think that right, this is sort of where we've gone from, from like spleen, spleen chi deficiency. Yes. Uh, hold on. Um, <laughs> coming back to diagnosis before yeah. we go on to treatment, yeah. I think the connection between the spleen and the yin was the blood deficiency. Oh, the pale tongue. Those are some few of the yeah. pale yeah, tongue yeah. and the three liver pulses. Is that right? Yeah, yeah rather than blood being blood like deficiency? losing too much fluids, causing yin deficiency, you would rather get through like sweat mm. or you know something like that. Yeah, I would think that sling's not producing enough blood to, and then therefore leading to like a yin deficiency. I think you'd, you'd definitely ask uh, period period questions in terms of this. Like that would yes. that would definitely show uh, signs of yin deficiency or blood deficiency or spleen chi deficiency it, it all, it, it's like those are the three things that the period mainly revolves around except for the kidney and what would we expect in terms of period related questions uh, like period related answers I feel like if it was heavy and like prolonged I feel like I'd look at more of the spleen chi route spleen chi can't hold the yeah, blood can't hold the blood yeah or the spleen function of the blood uh, of producing blood could uh, be inflicted therefore having a scanty period that's something that could, could it could be. Um, I'd mostly look look for the amount of period and the duration, just because if it's the color doesn't really show much to me because there's no stagnation or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm of the same thought. And um, pain, if there's any pain involved, you would definitely think like deficient. Like it's probably going to be mm. a dull pain. Oh, yeah, and the leaving factors and things like that will definitely show whether it's a deficient or excess and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and she also, talking about pain, she also said she did have a headache, uh, which was dull, which is that deficient type headache as well. But we might throw that in. You could even see when, when those headaches were brought on, like maybe mostly, is it, is it, does it say that in the um, case study at all? Worse when she's tired. Yeah, so that comes to like the G deficiency. Like You're feeling really run down. So now we've kind of, kind of got our syndrome where it's like, she's spleen G deficient, She's blood deficient and she's possibly yin deficient. How would you sort of lead on to be like, all right, this is sort of what we're going to do in terms of Chinese medicine now? Well, we're going to just try and tonify. You know, that's going to be our main goal is to definitely give her some blood, you know, tonify the blood and tonify the chi. Do you think in this case it's better off uh, treating... Would you rather treat the spleen function to produce more blood? Is, is that something that you'd rather target rather than just straight out just... Produce a producing blood, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you would have to do sort of both in a way. Um, the spleen is definitely the more important aspect of this case. To tonify the blood through some herbs would definitely be. I think in terms of treatment, too, you got to keep in mind the main complaint, too. Like, the main thing is that it's the regular bowel motions and it's not the headaches or anything like that. So, the main thing that we need do need a target is the irregular bowel motions, which is mostly concerned with the spleen. Is, it, is that right? Did you say that? Yeah. Mad. <laughs> I was half listening. Sorry. I'm being an audio technician as well, as always. Anything to add, Tom? Uh, no, I think I think that's about sounds good to me in terms of how we would treatment principle-wise, how to treat this sort of patient. 
So what type of things would you be using uh, in terms of just your intention, reading wise, maybe? Do you want to answer this one, Charlene, just so you can have a bit of input now being moderator for some Yeah, I think a good point for anything to do with bowel motions, I like to use stomach 25s, it's the front move of one of them, one of the intestines, I think. No, right on, right on. No, that little uh, stomach 25 and spleen 15, is it? Spleen yeah, that's a good 15? combo, 15. Spleen 15, 15. Yeah. yeah. That combo that regulates the whole middle jaw, ooh, that's a, that's a killer, I like that. Is that, is that I, can, I can't remember, but I think that's used for more constipation. I think for either. I think I'm, um, I can't remember. There, I, I feel like there was one of those little pockets of gold information type things where it was like, use both of them for this, but use one of them for this type of condition. Mm. But I, no, that wasn't I can't really, remember. that wasn't really to me at all. Well, I know that's but they, they're, they are very good points. I know CV6 is both loose, loose bowels and constipation, which was like a golden one. Do you remember that? Because everyone was really confused. How do you fix constipation and loose bowels? Do you remember that? CV6. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, and everyone was like, what? Chi Chi Heart? Yeah. Oh, oh look at this guy. Look at this guy. Confucius, is that you? <laughs> uh, what other points would we use to tonify? I would probably throw in like a spleen six. Definitely tonifying. Yeah, spleen. Yeah, that's like a good. double whammy you got. Spleen yeah, tonifying and you tonifying. That's really good. Uh, spleen three is a good one that I like to turn up by the spleen. It's a painful one, but it can be a, it can be quite um, prickly. Yes, yeah, it's not the crowd favorite. No, definitely not. But it is definitely a good point. Have you got any good techniques to needle that? Like, oh. how do you? Because I know you've fooled with this a little bit. So how do you go about it? Shout out to Will. He taught me this. So you massage that point first. You massage it. Give it a good like massage. Prepare the prepare the um. The brain from doing it, and then you just needle it and go straight in. That's it. You, you, you go really deep. Sorry, what was that? Do you massage with your finger or with an end of a guide tube? Finger. That's my question. I think finger. I think if I'm stimulating the pain receptors a little bit too much, then it'll hurt more. But if I'm just preparing that little that area just for something to happen, then it's a little bit better. I don't do that. <laughs> I, I'm probably just a bit more savage. I just sort of go hand. I. I make sure I get like a really good swift tap so it doesn't hurt the skin too much and then I just go straight to the depth that I want and then leave it and they'll probably just, so they don't have time to react too much. So you just put it in, put it in and they're like, oh, yep, yep, okay. We're yeah, good. that was it. I think something that's helped, something that I've learned recently is you actually do yin tongue first before you do any of the acupuncture points to help calm the person before to like sort of get them in that good like mind state before you needle their spleen three and like yeah before you hopefully don't send them away with spleen three but I think that really helps in like overall creating that like starting that with your tongue to help calm the sort of person so they're like and especially if there's some sort of like anxiety issues happening or you know even if they're like afraid of needles um yin tongue is sort of like just a good start just a good starting point just to help the patient along I think one beneficial point would definitely be spleen 10, I feel like, uh, blood point, and also tonifies the spleen a little bit. Sorry about the vibrating? Yeah, it could be that? any of us. It's probably me. I think it's you. I'm not that popular, so it wouldn't yeah, be me. I think so it's Mr. Guys. Mr. Confucius. Somewhere. Mr. Confucius. <laughs> Confucius. Coming through. So on spleen 10. Bye. Oh, right, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I disagree with spleen 10 
To be honest. Okay, you mean Shui Hai. Oh, you're just again. Shui Hai and Shui Hai, that's the only ones I know. Um, yeah, I disagree with Splinton. I think it's. Oh, I think Splinton does more moving. Uh, it's um, the there's it's an influential point or it's a thin point of the blood. Does it's a it's a certain point of some sort. But yeah, I feel like it moves a lot and it does more like of the cooling function rather than the tonifying. Oh really? Yeah, the, that's just like my knowledge. Yeah, I don't know. I just found it to be like a blood building point. So if I if I see a blood deficiency, I usually go spleen ten. It's either spleen ten or liver eight. But liver eight's more liver targeted. I tend to use spleen ten for more moving. Like if there's a blood stagnation, I think you mentioned yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely use it for more moving type blood stag yeah. stasis problems. Yeah, I keep that in mind actually. Yeah. Isn't sure. I mean, like blood. River or the something? Sea of blood. Ah, sea of blood. That's it. I knew it was some... The sea of cheese or something. Yeah, I knew it was some blood crap. I don't know. <laughs> I knew it was something important. So with the tiredness, I would like to use stomach 36. Yes, that's a good point. It's like a go-to point. Yes, definitely. It's a, it's a pretty shotgun point, but that's a good point to use. It, what's the, the name of stomach 36 is... Oh, Miss Confucius, what's that? <laughs> what does it mean? It means like you can walk three miles or something like that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. Uh, I would walk. <laughs> yeah, it's got something to do with um, when you needle this point, you can walk for another three miles or. That's why it's got sun in it. Sun is three. Ah, yes, correct. Ah, yes, it's yes. like distance. Yeah? Yeah. Like, and just like walk or something? See, I told you, it's got something to do with walking three distances. Duolingo is doing you well, eh? <laughs> What's your speak now? Nah, I lost it. Oh, I got to 100 yeah. gamma. Yeah, yeah. So 100's good enough for me. I'll pick it up again soon. When we go to China. Just yeah. learn on the job. I actually, I found a um, little app that'll teach me Chinese in 20 days. So 20 days before I leave, I'm going to start that app. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe start at 21 days before you leave. Oh, that's oh. extra study, man. That's, that's, that's that's exams, I don't know. Well then, well, then you can be like fluent Chinese the day before you leave. Impress everybody. Everybody won't think you go over there and like die. <laughs> yeah, but everyone will think I'm Chinese over there, man. And they'll have high, too high expectations. I'm like, no, I'm a foreigner. Same. <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's go back to it. Um, Any other active points that we could think of? We're talking thinking about... Um, yeah, remember the CV or the Ren Meridian points where it's like oh, yeah. uh, something sort of in that middle jail sort of tonified? CV12? CV12, CV10? Yeah, uh, can you clarify for me, what would you use in this case, CV10 or CV12, and when would you use it more? When would you use either more? I would probably go CV12. I'm more familiar with CV12 than I am CV10. CV12 harmonizes stomach and spleen. Yeah. I think CV10 sure could be more for food stagnation. So moving? But, yeah. Hey. I okay. I think someone, someone yeah. can tell us. Has anybody got the, the desk reference handy? Or we've got Dr. Google. Dr. Google. I feel like the desk reference is better for this though. I know CV, I think in the desk reference from memory, CV10 has like one function and it's not really descriptive in the desk <laughs> reference. So That's fair enough. Probably Suss out Dr. Google, see what... Can we give... Um, can we d describe food stagnation just a little bit more 
so because we're talking about spleen deficiency here and you know there's a bit of abdominal pain so can we compare that to food stagnation just quickly because it's been mentioned food stuff would feel like more like a mass stuck in the middle and then that's causing you like some sometimes acid reflux sometimes depending if it's accumulating heat and it's caused by more of like eating too quickly or eating the bad type of foods or, or maybe like maybe stomach, stomach function might not be able to send the food yeah food. yeah definitely like a stomach spleen something's not functioning there they're not processing the food whereas um in this case it would be more like there's um the spleen cheese not being produced from the factory whereas the uh, food stagnation is there's something wrong with the workers something they're just like on strike or something and it's just not working yeah i believe the um the like the the cardinal thing for food stagnation is that it's relieved by bowel motions. So yes. Like the pain is relieved by bowel motions. Have we got something about CV10? Yeah, so CV10 is Xia Wan, which is the lower venter, and CV12 is Zhong Wan, which is the middle. So CV10 is commonly used for food retention and it harmonizes the stomach and regulates qi, um, whereas CV12 is harmonizes the middle jail and descends the rebellion. Descends the rebellion. Yeah, tonifies stomach and spleen, so it's more spleen related, I think. CV10 or CV12? CV12 is more spleen related, and CV10 is pretty much harmonizes the stomach. Yeah, cool. So in this case, we would probably use CV12. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just quickly, herbs. Have we got any ideas what we would think about with herbs? What are we trying to do when, we, when we're thinking about formulas? So what, what type of formulas are we thinking of in this case? I think mostly spleen chi, spleen chi boosting, or uh, I think if it's their first time coming to the clinic, get rid of that damp first. I reckon, if anything, if you see if, there's, if you see a lot of damp signs, it's harder to get rid of damp uh, when you're tonifying other things. Does that make sense? I think, especially because her symptoms are being caused by the dampness, you want to help her sort of not feel so bad about herself. So, definitely removing that dampness first helps to make her feel better. I think that's one of the biggest things is helping her feel better after the treatment and after like she's not feeling well. Yeah, I feel like that's that should be at least sort of your first goal anyway, is that, you know, make them feel a bit better and then they will come back and you can sort of help fix them after that. Uh, any specific formulas? I think I think would of? go for a Bordromichi one. That's what I was thinking too. Okay. Hey, hey. hey. Is, is that more lifting, Bordrom? I think it was trying to find the middle. I thought. Trying to find the middle? Isn't that the like the... The one for hemorrhoids? Prolapse. I kind of use Bujong more for if there's sinking of spleen chi, so like chronic fatigue and like everything's just like... Yeah. Oh, so more of the sinking type. Because I was thinking that could be uh, that could be a sign that spleen chi deficiency can't hold everything up, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's why all her bowels are like leaking out of her, because it's, it's not being held very well, so you want to tonify the chi so it like, brings it all back. Like picks it up from the basket and just like puts it all back in the basket. Yeah, there's lots of tonifying herbs in that formula anyway. The formula that was on the case study was what's that? A Shenling Bai Yeah, or, or a Sir Junzi, which is just. I mean, 
Sujinja's in Shanlin Baiju. Yes. So, you know, we're, we're still in that ballpark of like that tonifying the spleen chi to help aid digestion a bit better. Would you consider like maining the damp and then including spleen chi, spleen, spleen chi tonifying herbs or would you main the spleen chi herbs and then um, kind of double into damp clearing herbs? Yeah, well, I think I would do more spleen chi and then like tonify blood and yin um, through herbs as well. So less, less damp. Less damp. Uh, yeah, so I think that will... Herbs or something or? I think the damp isn't like... I don't think the damp's like a major sign. So when you tonify the spleen and get things moving again, it should expel the damp pretty well. It's just my thought. I don't know. I thought we were like... I don't know if we were told this or something, but I just remember that clearing damp is pretty important in, in the first action of what you do kind of thing. I don't know. I, I was told that... Yeah, clear the excess before you get the deficiency. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any specific herb modifications that you would recommend? Uh, that of like a blood tonic, like a bi shower or something. Shudi. Oh, Shudi is a good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I know yeah, Fuling is in there. Yeah, yeah Fuling is in Shenling Baju. Yep. Is there anything else that you would add or think about? Mm. Is the sleep good? Sleep is good. Ah. Urination is normal. Excellent, Marlon. Thanks. Urination is probably going to be a bit more than normal after we add Shenling by tonight, but. Yeah, so definitely, so when you're prescribing herbs, when they come back for their follow-up treatment, what things are you going to be looking for? So, so what changes would you look for in this case how in they terms of like, oh, sorry. like what you're doing with the herbs? I think how they wake up. Sorry. The... How they wake up? Yeah. Oh, well, oh sorry. It's it was like only... you're going to just like drug them. <laughs> no, 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 no. no I, I'm, I mean in terms of like, uh, do they wake up more refreshed or something or like do they wake up more less heavy? That means we're clear with things are working or maybe their energy levels and things like that. Do you, do you, um, like focus on how many bowel movements they're having? Like, is that, cause th this will change obviously when you give them herbs. So do you focus on that now or do you focus more on like the energy side and the like lifestyle side of things? It, and if just, that's, if that's still the main complaint, then that'll be how I measure progress. Know, yeah. I'll measure progress. Basically if they, if they're having, more regulated bowel motions than I'm doing put in work and then we'll start moving on to things like I, I guess I guess if we if we're targeting the spleen chi it'll improve uh, the bowel motions and also the energy levels at all at the same time. And is there anything you're trying not to do? So like anything like that happens and you're like, oh maybe we should back off this or like you know what I mean? Like because fooling is quite like a diuretic. So would you be monitoring the urinations? Yeah, monitoring the urinations, probably avoid any more urine deficiencies or anything like that by, you know, excessive urination or things like that. Um, I'm thinking something that you might want to avoid because they have a, like a, a little middle jowl weakness. You don't want the herbs to be too harsh either. So maybe uh, if, they're, if, they act, uh, if they react a little bit adversely to it, dial, dial back the dose of the herbs too. Yeah, and you could probably add some like uh, stomach tonifying herbs like a Jane Jing or um, Chempi, something like that. Senjong yeah. would be really good for that too. What was that, sorry? Senjong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you're introducing more greasy type herbs into it, some Chempi good to just move everything. Yeah. And on that note, I think this is us 
finishing with this case study. So this is our interpretation and what we would go through the process. Um, if you have any questions about that or you would go a different route, please let us know. We're interested as to how everyone else feels about this. Um, we'll put the case up as well with this podcast so you can have a read of it and not just listen to what we're saying. And if you like these type of episodes, please let us know because... That was fun. Yeah, it is a little bit different to what we usually do. Uh, we revolve, we revolved our topic uh, and structured out the podcast a little bit differently. So definitely give us some feedback on ter- in terms of that. Yeah, and thank you for listening. There's new episodes out every Thursday. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, comment what you would like to hear from us next. And as always, with the Forever Young podcast, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.